Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti at Commander's Palace Restaurant. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Every football season, we see there's a big difference between being a college star and a star in the NFL. We also know there's a big gap between winning your high school talent quest and winning NBC's The Voice. In business, it's very similar. Many small companies dream about taking a popular local product and turning it into a major national brand. My guests on Out to Lunch today are at either side of that dream. In 1976, along with a partner, John Kerner bought a small, locally popular root beer business called Barks. John grew the company each year, making more inroads into the national market. In 1994, John was named Executive of the Year by Beverage Industry Magazine. And in 1995, he sold Barks to Coca-Cola. John Kerner, uh, welcomed out to lunch. Good to be here. At the other end of the dream is my other guest today, Charles Allen. Charles is the managing partner and CFO of Be Quick Nutrition. Be Quick makes a line of sports supplements, vitamins, and protein drinks for professional athletes and health-conscious everyday folks. Uh, Charles has positioned Be Quick from the inception of the company in Mandeville to become a national brand. Uh, Charles, welcome to the show. Peter, thanks for having me. And Charles, I want to be more buff. Where do we get uh, these? I've seen. I think I keep thinking I've seen it at Smoothie King. Is that right? We are a Smoothie King approved vendor, and uh, we carried it uh, all the Rouses locally, and uh, Robert's Fresh Market, and you can go online on our website, and there's a list of all the stores that carry our products. Oh wow! So okay, I'm going to be on the be on the lookout now, John. Like a sports star, you can have a whole lifetime career, but everyone always wants to talk about the one big play you made. And we'll talk about everything else you've done in the almost 20 years since you sold Barks. But I need to ask you a little bit about Barks, and I'm sure Charles would like to know as well. Uh, is there a single most important lesson about taking a local product and building it into a national brand that you learned along the way, but you wish you knew when you when you'd started out? That's a good question. I think uh, I think all products that are embraced by local communities have national potential. Uh, there's some charisma, there's some flavor component, there's something special about it that can be translated out if you've got the proper distribution system and, of course, marketing. You have distrib distribution push and uh, marketing pull. And it, you need those two to work in concert to really have a success. Now, you moved it all the way to, what was it, the number two root beer in the... It became number two. It was basically coast to coast from this small beginning. It actually began in Biloxi, but migrated to New Orleans and became more famous here. And uh, at one time, we were selling one billion eight-ounce servings per year. So it was a very well-accepted product in a very large industry. And we, uh, what, we were able to move between the hooves of giants. I mean, the, the, it's dominated by Coke and Pepsi and those Dr. Pepper. And we were able to weave our way through there 
working with them, hopefully synergistically. A lot of times people thought it was thought we were parasites in the Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola system because we would go and use their extra production capacity, et cetera, and then they would take us to market. Wow. Well, it worked. It worked. You're one of the great success stories here. Uh, and Charles, the holy grail for sports supplements is to be NSF certified, which means that the products contain no banned or questionable substances and are approved for use by athletes in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the Olympics, and, and so on. I know that you've set up Be Quick with this goal in mind, and I imagine that the success you're aiming for is dependent on it. Uh, how do you go about getting NSF certified? First of all, NSF when, from my bank is non-sufficient funds, right. so uh, there's a, <laughs> I assume this is different. Uh, it's different. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the National Sanitation Foundation, which has been around since the 40s, and probably in the past 20, 25 years, they've gotten into uh, the dietary supplement industry working with the players associations from the NFL, Major League Baseball, WADA, Olympics, et cetera. And what they do is they go to uh, contract manufacturers who make our products and they certify their facilities uh, as NSF for sports certified. And what that means is that facility cannot either inventory or manufacture a product that is on a banned substance list. So the ultimately by the time the athlete, the professional athlete or the general consumer gets the product, uh, they know that it's coming from a facility that hasn't even had anything adulterated in the process. So when we first got into the business, we went to NSF and said, look, we're interested in getting in the business. We have some product formulas. Can you please give us um, you know, a list of companies that manufacture at NSF? And we interviewed about 20 companies, and we narrowed down to two, one that does our powders and one that does our capsules. And they, they created our formulas, and so and then we produced them. It took us about a year to formulate. but. That's where you want to be as NSF for sport. And the general consumer now has picked up on informed choice and NSF for sport, uh, BG, CG. There's, there's several different certification processes. So when a, when a customer walks into a GNC and they see a thousand products, they're starting to pick up on the NSF and the informed choice. And, and the mindset is that, well, if a professional athlete or an Olympic athlete can take that product, well, it has to be good for me too. And it sort of cuts through the clutter in the marketing and in the space. Now, visually, I'm picturing very similar to like when a rabbi comes in and makes it certifies yeah. it for kosher. Is that yeah. sort of like that, or? Well, it's a it's a pretty uh, strict testing process. Uh, you know, again, the the manufacturer can't even bring uh, a banned or uncertifiable ingredient into the facility. Uh, so, for instance, uh, hudia or or yerba mate, which are very popular ingredients right now. They're not necessarily banned, it's just there's not enough science right now to certify those ingredients as NSF. So our manufacturers will not even bring those two ingredients into their facility. So you have nothing from the supply chain into the facility, into the production, even leaving the facility, there's different testing points. By the time my product actually gets into a canister, sealed, it's been through four or five levels of testing before I can even get it out into, uh, into distribution, into my warehouse. Now, Charles, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking that's a relatively crowded field, and you're trying to break through, and John, you took, there were lots of root beers out there. Uh, what would you suggest to Charles, I guess? That would might be a starter. Well, he's already started. Uh, one of the great things about local merchants is they will support local products. And if you can establish a, uh, a following and a customer base there, you can translate that out uh, 
like a stepping stone from here to Baton Rouge, from Baton Rouge to Houston, or, or you know, that's the way you do it. And once you get to a certain size, uh, you, you then accept it in the, the Walmarts, in the, which are very difficult to get because most of their decisions are by computers that use the whole national, the whole national numbers rather than local. So you, you need to find merchants that are willing to cater to local. Whole Food is a perfect example. They take very good care of people that are in regional with regional preferences, and then they can magnify those over time to a national uh, acceptance. John, since uh, since you've sold Barks, you know you're you're not the kind of guy that's good at sitting still. What have, what have you been up to? Well. Uh, when I was still at Barks, I had some free time and did some uh, venture investing or angel investing. And then after I sold it, I, I tended to accelerate that. Uh, one of our companies was in the health food business, and that was uh, Guiltless Gourmet. My partner and I funded that from the start. And it, was, uh, it got very rapidly, like quite a bit bigger than Zaps, for instance. And Frito wanted to buy it, and we said, no, we, we don't want to sell it to you. The president of Frito said, I'll never understand you entrepreneurs. We'll probably bankrupt you. And in fact, they duplicated the product, and in two years, it did us in. But we, so we went from having a, a, probably a pretty big payday to a more, more or less a zero. And it, it happens. But you know, you, you've got to know when you, uh, you have a business, you grow it to a certain size, when it belo- should belong to someone else then you can't maintain it on its own. Uh, I wish in New Orleans we were acquiring more businesses in rather than most of our businesses get to a certain size and then they migrate out, they get acquired or or something. We need to find a way to bring them in. Uh, And whether we use capital or management expertise or roll-ups or something, we need to get a few more companies bought in rather than selling out. And John, you're you're so famous locally for this. Do people with ideas just come to you all the time? Is that how... Oh, they used to when, when, when I was easy money. I've gotten a lot tighter now because you, a lot of the investments have not paid out. So you get a little more cautious. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, we, we started, we, we helped fund a number of companies this year. They are small and they're local, and I think they'll come to something. But you, you've got to bet on people, not just ideas. Uh, it's, it takes a combination of a, a great idea, but a good person at execute that, that has intelligence, has integrity, has the education, and, and the people's skills to build a team and, and take something and make it a success. Because if you're lacking any one of those, you usually fail. And uh, Charles, when you get this company rolling, you're going to stay in, stay here, huh? I was born and raised in New Orleans, and I'm going to stay here. Well, you're the perfect example of who we uh, need for this. That is, uh, the, uh, I am amazed about the, you talk about the, the steroids and the supplements. It's, it's just incredible. I get the feeling there's not going to be anyone inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame anymore. <laughs> there just be a guy that maybe batted 150 with a really good urine sample. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, it's <laughs> the most expensive urine out there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm going to ask you each a, a question from our checklist. These are probably questions you wouldn't find uh, in a loan application. So I'll start with uh, start with Charles. Um, what do you complain about the most? What do I complain about the most? Because we know you're a healthy, happy guy <laughs> running triathletes. What, what do you complain about? I wish about? I had more time to work out. Uh, I think that one of the things that I complain about the most is uh, when we deal with a lot of uh, ingredient suppliers and manufacturers and uh, the availability of getting these people in response time. Our business as a young company, uh, our lead times are, are relatively short, but we have to make decisions relatively fast 
just to keep our cash flow uh, operational at, as a you know as a third year company. So, uh, you know, having our reps and our manufacturers get back to us on a timely basis, it affects a lot of the decisions that we have to make. And a lot of times we make decisions pretty fast because we've been waiting on uh, a rep or a manufacturer or an ingredient supplier to get us an answer. So yeah, I think holds that's you up a little bit. It holds up a little bit, but I think in time it'll. Uh, you know, we'll work through that as we get bigger. But uh, I think now, as a young company, it is it does affect us. Well, great. And John, I'm, what do we ask you? What are you What are you reading these days? You're a well-read guy. What What's conscious capitalism? capitalism. Yep, it's an interesting read. But um, I, I think that all people that run businesses that I'm familiar with have that as a philosophy. And I don't think they get far. I mean, some people, yeah. Like, for instance, I sold root beer. It might not be the healthiest thing in the world, but basically, running a business is like uh, supporting a family. You have to take care of everybody. You know they're feeding their families. You get kids the clothes and whatnot. It's a big responsibility. And you can't be a jerk about it. Oh, good people won't work for you. And, and conscious capitalism is about that. It's, it's about trying to do good. If you try to do good, things will come to you. You don't have to, and that's true in any business. You can't go into business for making money. You go in business for helping other people. You go for servicing a need, finding a niche. Uh, something like that. If you go purely for making money, it, it usually doesn't work out. It, it, money is a byproduct of doing good things for other people. That's a good lesson to learn. The, uh, now we're going to check in our inbox, and that's where our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week from a listener. Uh, Grant, what have you got? I think we have uh, one question for both our guests today. This actually comes from Mitch Cry, who you might remember was one of our past audio engineers. Absolutely. Here, and Mitch asks, for a product that has obvious national appeal, is it better to maximize that market by going national outright, or should you try to make your business into a regional favorite first and then go national? Who wants to start? Well, I think John touched on some of that earlier. Uh, you know, as a young business, uh, we definitely want to have a local presence uh, first and build in our own backyard. Uh, I think, you know, we, you talked about Whole Foods and, and uh, you know, outlets like that. Rouse's has been a great partner for us. Uh, they took a chance on us as they expanded their natural and their organic section. And honestly, when we first met with them, didn't think we would do very well in their stores. And we started at about eight locations. They sort of gave you a chance. But they gave us a shot. And they said, look, you're a local company and we, we buy local. We believe in local. Uh, we just don't think that the dietary supplement is, uh, business is, is going to work well in our organic section. Well, we started in eight stores and we're in 26 and we'll be in 32 by the end of the year. And we've done so well with them that they, they've really helped promote us and they've done a lot of, a good job of, of helping us get our name out there into some markets uh, on the Gulf Coast and into Mississippi where we wouldn't have uh, had a presence without Rouse's. So I think, you know, starting locally and, and building up uh, recognition locally and, and getting a good following, getting people talking about us, it actually helped us get into some regional distribution. And in turn, we we're even talking to some national distributors as well. But again, they you know they want to see what you can do in your own in your own backyard. John, what do you think? You get the kinks out while you're still local. Oh sure, it's a rare. It takes tremendous resources to take any business national, whether it's capital or people or whatever. Now there are some rare occasions now if you get viral on the internet and using FedEx and UPS and viral sales, you can go national. But I think. Uh, that can't, you hear those stories, but I mean, for every success, there must be a thousand failures. But it's one way, if you understand that kind of distribution, that kind of con uh, customer contact, that you can do well with a product uh, 
like Charles's, that's of high value and low volume, that moves well uh, with on airplanes and stuff. High value, low volume. You, you're not going to sell anvils uh, that way. That was your first but, business, Charles. I right, remember that was very unsuccessful. But it opens up abroad. I mean, FedEx and UPS and the Internet combined open real large markets for a lot of people. And when yeah. people stumble, John, going to that next step, what, what are the usual things that, that do them in? Oh, they overreach. They want to open Los Angeles and New York on the same day kind of stuff. Or they lose focus. They say, well, not only is my product good for athletes, it's also good for di uh, losing weight. It's also good for um, yep. keeping your teeth strong. And, and, and you get distracted. <laughs> you, you, need, you need one solid message, and you need uh, one customer that you define who is your customer, and you talk to them in their language, and, you, and, and then you can get whatever's close to them you'll, you'll also sell to. But you need to understand what your product is, who it appeals to. And, and be very focused in that and not go uh, too broad in your approach or you'll be just whispering in the woods. And you know, this is our pay it forward part of the program. It's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. And today's company is Get Healthy. Get Healthy is an online health and wellness platform for small and mid-sized employers and insurers that creates what they describe as a customized wellness intervention uh, for employees and policyholders. When you join up on Get Healthy's website, it says it's a revolutionary new way to gather data, track your progress, and reward you for achieving health goals. I actually have one of those step counters in my pocket, so this would be a good one for me. Get Healthy's CEO, Blaine Lindsay, sent us this question to ask to both uh, John and Charles. Blaine says, our Louisiana company relies on opening the eyes of employers to the fact that they play a large part in the health and well-being of their employer, employees. Most mid-sized employers ignore or delay acting on that realization. How do you suggest we communicate our message to employers and how could we use our Louisiana roots to connect, uh, grow, and expand? And we, we started to have this conversation a little bit today, but what do you think, Charles? Uh, you know, uh, looking at Gelt Healthy's website and kind of understanding their business a little bit, I, I think uh, you have to get your employees excited about uh, any kind of program like this. I think in this day and age, and, and our business is a good example, I mean, in the social media world and getting information out, it's very mobile and it's, it's, uh, information's transferred very fast. And so if you get a, your employees, if you get down to the employee level and get them excited about whatever program you're bringing in, so it doesn't feel like it's an employer-pushed program. Get the employees excited about it, get them talking about it, you know, get them interacting and throwing out ideas, then they feel like they're a part of it. I think that's a better way to get a program off the ground, uh, especially at the, at the, the, the company level. So as opposed to just selling that employer and having them right, try to get people. Yeah. Right, just being a package that, hey, uh, I own this company and I bought this wellness package and, and I want all my employees to, you know, to participate get the employees, go from the employee level up and get them interested in it and, and get their ideas and their involvement and then your participation level will be greater. And there's a lot of money in getting your employees sure, healthy. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, I the insurance costs the way they are. Oh, I saw a thing in the Wall Street Journal that said only one of seven workers is of a normal weight without a, uh, without a health issue. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of wild. John, what do you think? Get healthy here. Well, when I read the webpage, I didn't realize I went to the website. It was only, it was didn't want any great depth to it. I didn't realize it was for an employer. I thought it was for an individual. But uh, if you can get an employer to support it, that's a lot better and get a buy-in. Uh, 
I, I get my uh, medical work done at Oxner, and they have many of those programs. I've, smoking cessation is the obvious one at, the, at Oxner, but they also have a pedometer or whatever. They measure the, the foot. Of course, I see the uh, nurses out there, the ones that walk, basically swapping uh, the pedometer with others who are more sedentary. Oh, that's so they, bad. <laughs> or walking they, uh, to have a cigarette. Yeah, that would be a bad idea. A, they said, oh, I've, got, I've been run all over here. Use mine for a while and I'll use you. <laughs> this, is what yeah, I always, this is what I always feared, really. <laughs> but, it, but it's great if you get uh, an employer who buys in and who's healthy. And a, and a lot of em employers are. They're proud of themselves. They think they're smart and they're beautiful. They don't want to stay that way. And uh, so they're generally quite health conscious. And if they can get participation from the employees, that's wonderful, great addition. And uh, healthy employees are happy employees. And they'll stay there and, and grow with you. So something like this might even add to retention for oh sure yeah. sure people like to work yeah. in a healthy environment they don't I, want to you know go with a bunch of boozers and smokers who wants to do that <laughs> that ought to be on the brochure right there that is yeah thank you guys those are great responses John Kerner Charles Allen on Out to Lunch we showcase a wide range of businesses that exist here in New Orleans and get to know the fascinating people behind them you two guys exemplify the reason we make the show. You have great businesses, and you've been great company. Thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Peter, thank Guy, you. you guys great have, time. You guys have been great. It's, uh, it's, uh, I like your perspective on all of this. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been uh, John Kerner. He's a president of Kerner Capital Corporation, and Charles Allen, uh, managing partner and CFO of Be Quick Nutrition. Uh, to find out more about John's businesses, uh, Charles' supplements, and Blaine Lindsay's Get Healthy, uh, follow the links on our websites. That's www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The provocative Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast and you can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.